scripture lesson this morning is from the book of Acts. And as was in our bulletin last week, we know that Thursday was the day that we celebrate the ascension of Jesus. Uh, So many churches go to the Sunday following that to make it Ascension Sunday. And uh, so it is part of the important calendar of events and uh, it is the uh, concluding episode of Easter because not only did Jesus come out of the tomb, but he went up uh, 40 days later back with the Father. So the sermon title is How Important Was the Ascension of Jesus? And I've said before, I'm amazed oft times that uh, there's not too much said about the ascension of Jesus in Christian literature and uh, in uh, the church uh, calendar and so forth. Uh, I make it a point to find out my dates and uh, see that uh, I know what uh, the calendar, the church calendar is, uh, even if it's not something that's brought to me. I dig it out and try to make sure that I'm on target with that. So uh, the story we find about the ascension of Jesus, besides it being mentioned uh, in, in other passages of Scripture specifically, is brought to us in the end of the book of Luke and in the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. And we're going to read this morning the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. So if you would stand with me this morning, if you're able, we will read that passage. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we realize uh, the inadequacy on my part to present the word of God to this people this morning. Lord, I just ask that you would help me to be able to speak clearly, that I would speak with the direction of the Holy Spirit, the words that you would have them here this morning, that you would speak to every heart, dear Lord, in a personal way, as only you can do. For Lord, we have a certain way of listening to God speak to our heart that we know that what we are hearing are words of truth and that we are convinced that we need to be obedient to the word of truth, that it is something that needs our response. It is something that needs our agreement. It is something that needs our cooperation with, that is not just something that falls upon our ears to say we have put our time in, we've been in a church service, and now we go out to go about our day. But we know that the words of truth demand a response. And we pray, dear Lord, you'll help us as we listen to the word of truth. The Lord, whatever the Holy Spirit would say to our heart this morning, we would be in agreement with that. And when we know it is the truth, and when we know what we ought to do, that we will do what we ought to do to be in obedience to God. We pray, dear Lord, your help for us with our understanding, Lord Jesus, that the things that ought to be emphasized this morning will be emphasized, and Lord, that they will be impactful in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated for the message. So, how important was the ascension of Jesus? Um, first of all, I want to say that as we read this account, the Acts of the Apostles, uh, we heard uh, Reverend Young speak last week about Dr. Luke and about his joining with Paul and his company as uh, they carried the gospel over to Philippi and uh, as they evangelized. Uh, certainly, uh, we owe a lot to Dr. Luke, uh, who is the, the author, uh, generally accepted, fully accepted, uh, uh, of the Acts of the Apostles, as well as by the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, that bears his name. Uh, this appears to be uh, a, an ongoing part of that gospel as you read that and uh, you read about how studious Luke was. It, uh, it is believed that he was a Gentile and uh, he would be the only Gentile writer uh, of the scriptures. And so uh, uh, he, his, his uh, 
astute uh, and his application of getting, gathering the facts. Uh, he must have interviewed people and uh, not only had the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, but he also got input from people that were involved with the actual events that took place and then laid them out for us. Uh, so we, we owe a lot to, to Dr. Luke. And so he says the former treatise, or the, we would say the Gospel of Luke is what we believe he's referring to. Uh, I have written, I have made, uh, O Theophilus, and that uh, is a God-fearer, is assumed to be a, a high-standing government official that he is uh, influencing uh, to follow Jesus Christ, and he wants him to know that these things are based on fact, that he has researched them, uh, that uh, he can depend on what Dr. Luke is saying because he has researched them himself, and he knows as he's talking to, to Theo, we'd probably call him Theo, wouldn't we? Uh, that uh, Theo can believe what he's telling him. And uh, so he says, I, I told you in the, in the gospel or in the former book that I wrote uh, what Jesus did there, uh, the miracles that he performed, <coughs> the great things that took place that indicate uh, who he is, that it's not just a supposition, but he actually produced the evidence uh, by the things he did that he is who he said he is. Uh, he's, he's not just somebody that, that had the talk, but he's somebody that actually performed the acts. He actually did the miracles, and we have evidence that those miracles uh, were actual miracles that took place in the lives of people. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, in that former book, I told you of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. And that's referring to the ascension of Jesus. Uh, until the day he was taken up, and uh, that uh, at that time that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Now we know that he had, he had uh, 10 or 11 post-resurrection appearances. Uh, so uh, we're saying that according to what we can find in the scripture, there's 10 or 11 appearances of Jesus after he came out of the sepulcher, after he came out of the tomb, that he appeared to people, different places, different times, different settings. It wasn't like one time, and so it could be a hallucination. It wasn't just in one setting, so it could have been shadows, or it could have been, you know, it was too dark to see who it was. Uh, he, he appeared to them uh, in many different settings, we know he appeared to them uh, when there was no way for him to get in the room. But he went in the room and appeared to the 
disciples after his resurrection, uh, that he came a week later when uh, Thomas had said, I, I won't believe unless, unless I see for myself, unless I put my finger in the nail prints and put my hand into his side. I won't believe. Jesus came again on, on the next sa Sabbath, on the next Sunday, and he said, Thomas, go ahead. <laughs> put your finger in the nail prints. Go ahead and put your hand in my side. Jesus was not in a human state where he would feel pain. He was in a glorified body, but he still bore the marks of the crucifixion. And we're, we're, our understanding is, when we read the book of Revelation, that those marks of his sacrifice are still going to be there. Uh, unlike when we are resurrected, if we have scars and marks on our body, our body is going to be made whole. But his wounds are going to remain so we can see what he paid for our redemption. Uh, so it will remind us what he went through. So, yes, in the glorified body, all those, the nail prints could be gone, the, the side where the spear went up through, uh, the ribbon side could be healed, but it is not. But it is not painful anymore. It is there to show us and to remind us what he did. And so, uh, I, as I think about what he went through and what he suffered for us, uh, it should bring us to a point of humility and gratitude for what he has done. I wish to say too, on Memorial Day, there are those that would hold the idea that any soldier that dies in battle would be automatically would go to heaven. That is not scriptural, folks. The scripture tells us that we're not saved by works, and that would be a work salvation, wouldn't it? It would be if you do something and you die in the process of doing it, you're automatically going to heaven. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we all have to repent of our sin. We all have to in other words, acknowledge that we are sinners. And that's what the scripture says, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, some more, some less. Uh, some have sins that are very grievous and very deep uh, as far as the pain that they have caused. And uh, families have been uh, tormented uh, by the sins of people in the family. Others may be less noticeable, but still sins that would send you to hell because we've all sinned, and one sin will send you to hell. And so uh, I don't think anybody would say, I've only sinned one time. Uh, you know what the, the story is, that Moses, Moses was the greatest sinner of all because he broke all the commandments at one time, <laughs> which... He threw them on the ground, of course, and broke them physically. Uh, but we're all guilty. We're all guilty before God. And so, soldier on the battlefield, uh, we, we hear of those that, uh, especially you think about World War II, where 
they would send testimony back when the when the when the shells are exploding around me and the bullets are I hear the bullets you know the one you hear is not the one that got you the one you don't hear is the one that got you uh, because that's uh, when they go by you hear zip zip uh, but if you don't hear it then maybe it got you <laughs> uh, so uh, but when they said you know when this is happening I'm praying I'm praying um, and it's been said that there are no atheists in the foxholes of course the ancient way of digging in and so forth and fighting. So uh, we've all sinned, and we need to pray for our chaplains, folks. Uh, there are some good chaplains, those that tell our soldiers how they can be right with God. And there's been, there's been a great uh, effort to silence their voices and uh, to keep the gospel away from our soldiers used to be that every soldier was given a testament uh, to carry with them into battle. And you'd hear stories about uh, somebody that a testament would catch a bullet uh, instead of going into them. But today, the gospel message is silenced. But our soldiers need to know the Lord too, just as we do. And they can find the Lord. And we believe they can find the Lord in the 11th hour, as so to speak, at the very end of their life, but we, we trust they wouldn't wait that long. So uh, Luke, is, Luke is giving us uh, a layout here uh, that Jesus did these things. He suffered for us, and uh, we, we realize that uh, he gave a commandments. We... We don't know. He may have appeared times that are not recorded in the scripture. We know of 10 or 11 that are recorded, but he may have, he may have appeared more than that. We do not know. Uh, I have some verses here I could give you on that um, that indicate he could have. That's Acts chapter 10, verse 41. I'm not going to read it to you. You can jot it down or whatever. Uh, Luke 13, or, or Acts... Uh, 1041 and Acts 1331, uh, you could see where there was more going on than what is recorded in the scripture. Uh, but he's to whom, now he gave commandments to the apostles and, uh, and uh, those that he had chosen, uh, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. What does that mean? Infallible proofs. Uh, that is convincing. Uh, you can deny anything. Uh, I, I've talked to people. It doesn't matter how much evidence you give, how much proof you give. Uh, they, they deny it. Uh, and you can show them evidence after evidence. And I, well, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You can, you can doubt anything you want to doubt. And some people do that but infallible means it's convincing and uh, in the in the in the uh, new king james uh, no i think it's the niv uses the word convincing i think the new king james says infallible but it means convincing uh, 
So he showed himself for 40 days and told them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Uh, and then he gave them commandment. I'm not going to spend much time on that this morning. Uh, but I read that in your hearing, what he said. And then uh, we're told that uh, he's on the Mount of Olives over toward uh, Bethany. He's over on the east side of the Mount of Olives. And uh, he had met with them at Jerusalem, and they go out to the Mount of Olives. And uh, while they beheld, as he's on the Mount of Olives, the scripture uses the word, he was taken up, which we call the ascension, the ascension of Jesus. He was taken up, and, received, and, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So what do you think about the ascension of Jesus? Um, do we think it was very important? Jesus said... It was, his ascension was very important. Uh, he said he had to go away. He didn't use the word ascension or be taken out. Uh, but if you look in the book of John, chapter 16 and verse 7, uh, when he's talking to the disciples, uh, he says to them in this verse, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. Now, when he says, I'm going away, he's talking about going back to the Father. He's talking about his ascension. Uh, he says, for if I go not away, the Comforter or the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so he's talking about something that it, it is expedient. It is expedient. Uh, in, the, in the New King James and in the uh, Amer New American Standard, that word expedient is, it is to your advantage. I like that. The NIV says it's for your good, which that's all right. But I like it is to your advantage, expedient, expedient. It is to your advantage. If I go away, how could that be to our advantage if Jesus leaves this earth? Well, you've heard, if you've been in the church any time, you've heard the reasons for that because we know that Jesus could only be in one place at a time when he was here on earth. But when he, when he left this earth, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit can be in the in the Raymond 3CU, he can, be, he can be in the Methodist, he can be in the, in the Church of Christ, he can be at Washington Courthouse. The Holy Spirit can be in all these places. And who is the Holy Spirit? It's the Spirit of Jesus. And he is, he is a member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, he can be in all these places and well Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus that their brother was sick wanted Jesus to come so he could touch their brother and uh, he could heal their brother we know that we don't have to wait on Jesus to come from a distance when we're praying that the Holy Spirit is here. He is 
He is where we can just breathe a prayer. And he hears our prayer and he's able to come. And so uh, Jesus, it was expedient for him to go uh, because that way the Holy Spirit could be in every place all the time and the Spirit of Christ would be shown. Also, uh, when the Holy Spirit uh, was come into the world uh, and disciples are made, then we know that the work of Christ is multiplied. The work of Christ is multiplied by the local church and by the outreach of the local church to reach other people. And so uh, you've heard the words, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so that is, that is what is to work, that spirit of Christ is to work in our hearts to multiply, to multiply the work of Jesus. And so while Jesus could take a few children in his arms and, uh, and bless them, uh, the church in various locations can embrace children and the needy. And we can reach out in different ways. Certainly these things that I'm saying are not exhaustive. You know that. You could probably, some of you could probably stand up here and give a whole list of reasons that you've heard over the years and uh, put this preacher to shame with the, your knowledge that you've got from where you've been in the church for 50 years. Uh, but uh, these are just some of the basic things that we think about. Uh, Jesus said it was expedient. It is to your advantage. It is to your advantage. Uh, you're, you're not going to be impoverished by me leaving. Uh, but I want you to know that when I leave, there is a plan in place, and you're going to be enriched by my leaving. Uh, to your advantage actually means that, doesn't it? It means that you are, you are taken further along. <laughs> you are taken further along than what you would be if I stayed. And so, yeah, we could, we could raise a pretty good crowd, couldn't we, at the Raymond 3CU if we said, if you come to our church, uh, Jesus is going to be there in the flesh on, uh, on the, the 28th day of, of May. He's going to be there. Uh, don't be late. He's going to be there at the 11 o'clock service. And, and we hope that we hope that the announcements and everything move along in proper time so that uh, when it's 11 o'clock, we're ready to turn it over to him. Uh, yeah, but it, it's not that way, folks, because Jesus should be here every service. We should be praying for him to be here in every service, and not just at 11 o'clock, but for the whole thing. And Yes, not only be here, he's not like, well, you know, I opened the church door this morning, Reverend Young said, and when I walked in, there was Jesus sitting on the pew. Uh, no, when, when he come in, and he brought Jesus with him, didn't he? 
Jesus was in his life. And when we come, we should bring Jesus with us. And we should be rejoicing in the fact that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. <coughs> and so, Jesus said it was very important for him to ascend. Uh, the ascension was ongoing proof of Jesus' divinity, that he is who he said he is, that when he met with the disciples, now folks, I mean, you don't see this kind of thing, do you? Uh, I mean, you might see it on television, some kind of trick camera stuff, but you don't go out somewhere with your friends and you see them lift off the earth. Uh, but that's what they saw. They, they came with Jesus after they heard the words of command given. And uh, the Bible says in Luke that he was blessing them. He was blessing them. He had his arms outreached in blessing to them. And as they watched... Gravity lost its force on him, and he began to ascend. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any of them were quick enough to see when that happened. Do you think they knew it was going to happen? I don't think they knew that. Uh, I don't think they knew it was going to be a physical thing that they, they were going to watch. Uh, physical, uh, uh, glorified body, however you want to put it. I don't think any of them ran up and said, Jesus, your, your, your feet are off the ground. You're, you're off the ground. Uh, there's air underneath here. I don't, I don't think it all happened that way. I think, I think they stood there and watched. And as they watched, <laughs> the, the gap got wider, and it was very evident he was going all the way up, folks. And he didn't have any problem with not having an oxygen tank on uh, going up into the air, uh, they watched until they couldn't watch any longer. And the scripture says that two men stood by them. Of course, these are angelic creatures that we're seeing. <coughs> Excuse my cough. I won't say it every time. You know it happens. <laughs> but I'm sorry about that. Um, so the ascension was proof of his divinity. Um, I'd like to refer you to John 17, which is the prayer of Jesus. It's called the high priestly prayer because he's talking to the Father and he says, I've done what you sent me to do. And he said, I'm going to return to you. This was before his suffering, before his death. Uh, but uh, he, was, he was returning to the place he came from. <laughs> he was returning home. Uh, it, would, it would be overwhelming evidence that he is who he said he is. That now, yes, he came as a babe through the portals 
of a virgin's womb and was born into this world by the power of the Holy Spirit and he, he completed his ministry and he is, he is now on his way home. He's on his way home. Uh, we don't have anything like this from any other so-called faith or religion. Uh, we have, we have uh, the saying that uh, Mohammed uh, made a trip to heaven and nobody saw it and came back. Uh, I think it was to, he left from the uh, El Aqsa. Um, <coughs> area of, of the, the mount. <coughs> the Temple Mount. There's a there's the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount, and then uh, over to the what I'll call the back, but it may not be the back, but it's on the Temple Mount. There is a mosque there. And they say that he made a midnight trip uh, up to heaven and came back. Uh, there's nobody that saw that or could witness that. So this is something that is visible, something that is attested to. The disciples saw it. And they went on to proclaim the message and gave their lives, didn't they? So when we say that these are infallible tr proofs. They are convincing. They are convincing. And anyone that looks at the facts with an open mind and with logic can say, these things must be true because these people gave their lives and they knew that what they were talking about had happened and they were willing to die to seal their testimony with their own life. So, uh, we know that he was going to the place he came from. Um, the, the ascension put him in the place from which to direct the church. I'm not going to take any time with that this morning because our time's getting away from us. Uh, but think about it. He's the head of the church, isn't he? And he's at the right hand of God. Uh, the scripture tells us that he made appearance when Stephen was dying. Recall the first martyr of the church? <clears throat> Stephen, while he was dying, saw Jesus. Jesus wasn't seated to the right hand of God. Jesus was standing to welcome his first martyr. And as, as the rocks are taking Stephen's life from him, he said, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. Who came from that testimony? Who, who was a convert from that testimony? It, yes, it took, it took many months later, but that was St. Paul, wasn't it? Old Saul of Tarsus, as we knew him then. He heard that testimony I see Jesus. Oh, get a bigger rock and put the lights out on that guy. Shut that mouth. <laughs> yeah, but he already said it. It was too late. He already said it. I see Jesus. And guess who else 
had an encounter with Jesus. That was old Saul or Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus spoke to him, didn't he? And you read that account. Paul heard the voice. Paul understood the voice. Those people with him heard a noise, but they couldn't understand what was being said. But Paul had an encounter with the risen Lord who was in heaven with the Father directing his church. And so, yes, he ascended where he could direct the church. He had to ascend because the Bible tells us and he told us that he's going to descend someday, didn't he? You have to go up before you can come down. Jesus said in John 14, do not let your heart be troubled because if I go away, I'll come again. I'm going to come again. And the Bible tells us the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the graves of this world are going to vomit out their dead. Those who have known Christ as Savior are going to receive glorified bodies. And the Bible tells us, I'll show you a mystery. I'll show you a mystery even if you're alive. We shall not all sleep or will not all die, but in, the mo- in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, the dead in Christ will be raised and we're going to be changed. We're going to made, be made different because of this Christ that ascended and promised he's going to come again. And so, folks, without taking a long time on this, <clears throat> I want you to know the words that we're speaking are the truth. They are the truth. And it's up to every one of us to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not just mental, mentally, but to physically align ourselves And the Bible calls that repentance. To let it be known that we are going to, we're going to do our best. We're going to follow what the scripture says. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean we'll not mess up. But we're going to come to the point in our lives where we say, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I need forgiveness. And yes, I am petitioning heaven for forgiveness. Realizing when you do that, you are already assured that you will be forgiven. Because Jesus, we are told, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So if we come in repentance, he is not going to say no. One of the songs that uh, I've heard uh, in our camp meeting is that he said yes. (laughs) He said yes. When we ask him to forgive us, he says yes. And aren't you glad we don't have to come with a whole list and say, there it is, all all the sins I've committed. (laughs) Uh, We can't make a list of them. 
we've committed more sins than we could ever remember. And we just have to present them to the Lord and say, Lord, I just ask for forgiveness for my sins. And when we do that, then he says yes. But that's not the end of it. We have to put our faith in him, don't we? In him alone. Can't be, well, we're, we'll trust him partway. He has to be our one and only source of hope. That it is he that is going to redeem us, is going to save us, is going to take us to heaven. Well, I, I did a few good works. I think they'll help Jesus a little bit, don't you? I gave some money to the church. I think, I think that'll help him because I need all the help I can get. And, and so I'll help Jesus a little bit with the things that need to take place. So uh, maybe if I join the church, maybe, maybe if I try to treat others better, all that can go, you know, on the scales of our redemption. All that stuff amounts to nothing. <laughs> it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then he and he alone can forgive our sins. But you know, you can't be made to do it. I could drag you up here and say, you will repent. <laughs> you will repent. No, it wouldn't work, would it? Uh, there could just be a scuffle, and that'd be about it. But you know the old human will is very stubborn, isn't it? It's very stubborn. Uh, you know, people get into disagreements, and sometimes husband and wives do, and, <clears throat> and one does not want to let go and let the other one be right. I heard about a husband and wife that got into a disagreement over whether an episode that they knew about happened with scissors or a knife. Uh, well, they, they stabbed them with scissors, the wife said. The husband said, no, it was a knife. It was a knife. They used a knife. The wife said, no, I, I know it was scissors. Uh, they found scissors laying there, a good sharp pair of scissors, and that's what they used. And that's, that's how they committed the crime, with, with a pair of scissors. The husband said, no, I know it was with a knife that they stabbed him with a knife. But it kept on going and got more violent. And uh, it got physical. Uh, there's been less uh, things that people have argued <laughs> over than that that have turned very physical. So it turned very physical. Finally, uh, the husband decided that he was had enough of what his wife was saying. You better watch yourselves, ladies, because the man still has the strength. And uh, so uh, there was a tub of water there. He grabbed his wife by the throat and took her under the water and brought her up. He said it was a knife, and she said, no, it was scissors. She still would not give in. He took her under again. And, and held her a longer time this time, let her come up. He said it was a knife, and she said, no, it was scissors. She still wouldn't give it up. 
So he took her under the last time. This time, he didn't let her come back up. And just before she died, she brought her hand out of the water, and she went. You know what I'm saying? The human will. <laughs> the human will. It don't matter what I do or what I say. It's got to be what you will do and what you will say. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, and you know what I'm talking about. You know it's right. You know it's God talking to you. It's not the preacher. It's not that old skin flint preacher behind the pulpit. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you're not dealing with Goble. You're dealing with God. And it's not Goble you're going to have to answer to. It's God. And that's when we have to come to the point and say, I know this is the truth. I know what I need to do. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient to what my heart tells me and what the Word says. And I'm going to ask forgiveness for my sin and put my full faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. It's in, your, it's in your hands, folks, what you'll do with it. Will you stand with me this morning? <clears throat>